I think we're going to, I'm going to continue. Last time I spoke a couple weeks ago, we talked about revival. That's been the heart of Pastor Greg, and, and he has been speaking about it, and it, it seems to seep its way into his heart, his messages, um, and, and our prayer time, definitely. Um, so if you turn in your Bibles to John 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. Um, last time, if you remember, we were in Ezekiel 37, and you guys are very familiar with that. Just to recap, refresh, uh, we were looking at the dry bones, right? And uh, we were looking at it and seeing this, this situation that the Lord had Ezekiel in that was, you know, seemingly dead, seemingly dry, seemingly no life. And the Lord gave Ezekiel instructions to follow and obey, and Ezekiel did, and Ezekiel saw these, this pile of bones stand up before him. But it didn't become alive until the breath of God was breathed into this, this pile of, of bodies. And so, you know, we unfolded that a bit. And, you know, I felt like with this, when Pastor Greg asked me to speak, it just had that same feel to it. The, the small giants and the worship team is going to come back up to do two more songs afterwards. So I will not be as long as sometimes I can be. Um, so we'll see how far we get in this. But um, John 14 is in the midst of the, uh, what we call the upper room discourse. You know, Jesus is preparing to die. And so he's preparing his disciples. Um, he's giving them... Uh, I don't want to say as much information. He gives them a lot of information. You know, kind of the stuff that you would, you, I, I know as a dad that for me, that I, I, I'm always trying to prepare my sons. I got four boys, and I probably was doing it at way too early an age. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, from as long as I can remember, I was always trying to give them advice, you know. I remember Matthew, who's sitting here, and my oldest, who will be 18 in a couple months. Um, I remember... We were driving one time, and uh, I think he was around six-ish. So, so there's only three of you at the time. And um, no, you weren't six. You had to be younger because he was in one of those car seats that had the steering wheel. You guys remember that? So I was driving. I said, Matthew, you ready to drive? And, and personalities are funny, aren't they? So Matthew is very serious and logical. I mean, he's got a great witty personality like his father. Um, but... I looked back and I said, Matthew, you ready to drive? And he said, I don't think I am. I don't know how to do it yet. And he was just like so like intense and serious. And, uh, you know, and I was like, it's easy. You know, and I'm giving him advice about how to drive. And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I can't reach the pedals, you know. But, um, and I was kind of, so as I was preparing this, I was looking at thinking of it that way. Like, you know, like, you know, as a father, always trying to quit my sons, you know, especially for the trials of life, you know especially for the things, as, as I've shared, there's some things that have happened in the last several years that um, have, have uh, challenged us and, and changed our worlds, but also has brought a, a greater faith, um, a stronger faith in a lot of ways. And uh, they've seen faith in some ways that um, they might not have seen otherwise. So um, this is how I see as Jesus is preparing his disciples to leave. So in, ver in chapter 13, that's where um, Jesus washes their feet. That's how he starts the whole thing. And you remember that? Peter's like, no, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And he's, Jesus says, you know, you know, I'm washing your feet or you're not going to take part. And he says, you know, give it all to me. And, you know, we, we know how Peter is. And, but it, it's indicative of throughout this whole thing, the disciples didn't get it. They weren't getting it. I mean, this was a lot of information to be processing. And I try to remember that as I tell my sons things. And, um, you know, but anyway, the they are hearing so many things that are contrary to what they've 
would have learned in, at growing up as in the synagogues and, and what was being taught. So, you know, it's, it's oftentimes we, we read this and we're like, oh, oh, Peter, you know, oh, the disciple. But you know what? I mean, these guys were really being challenged and, and, and stretched in a way that, you know, um, they didn't have, obviously, what we had to be able to read, to be able to soak in, you know, great Bible teachings. I mean, he had the greatest Bible teacher, obviously, but, you know, we, especially in Calvary Chapel, and depending on how long you've been to Calvary Chapel, we've listened to Chuck Smith and, you know, and, and uh, for me, Joe Foch, and for, you know, there's so many great Bible teachers out there that you soak these things in. It's a lot easier for us to make it make sense where these guys were hearing this first, you know, that they were the first hearers of a lot of these, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I was going to say new age, but it, I mean, kind of was for them. But anyway, so in that, um, and Jesus says to him, you know, you're not going to understand this until this is all done. You know, so just, just, just keep going. Um, in that same area, he says, this is a new commandment I give you that you love one another. And it's, you know, we see this throughout, um, especially this discourse. I don't know if we're going to get to all of it, what I was going to get to today, but um, we'll see. And then, um, and then the, where Jesus also tells Peter, you're going to deny, you're going to deny me. Of course, Peter didn't believe him. Um, and one of the, the cool things is, as I'm, again, I'm going to probably keep going back to this. So forgive me, indulge me, I don't know. But as uh, thinking about with my sons, like, you know, I've got four boys and they all have pieces of my personality. And one of them specifically has a lot of things that I see that I'm like, this is what you're going to do. Like, I, I'm telling them, you're going to do this. This is how you fix it. <laughs> Because you need, you're not, unless you can stop yourself, you know. Um, but to be able to be able to see things and to know and to say, hey, listen, this is going to happen, but. And the other the understanding, too, is like, you know, um, when we're dealing with addictions ministry, too, for so long, it's, it wasn't that somebody was going to fall, because people were all going to fall. You know, whether it's addiction, sin, you know, I hit my thumb on a hammer and I bless the Lord, oh, my soul, you know, like things happen, you know. That's not, to me, the issue. The issue is more of what are you going to do after that, you know? Do you continue in that? Or do you say, Lord, forgive me, <laughs> cleanse me, wash me, heal my thumb, you know, that kind of thing. And then you move on from it. Um, because we're prone. We're prone to, to struggle, you know? The Lord says he knows that we are dust. You know, we are frail. And, you know, and there's, we struggle with those things. And I love how Jesus prepped Peter because it doesn't tell us what Peter was thinking when Jesus said this to him. But I wonder. I just wonder how he was processing that. You know, we see them moving on. It's a story in the sense of we're just reading the account, given a historical account. But I wonder how Peter was processing that. For as when, you know, the rooster was crowing, we're saying, come on, Peter, don't do it a third time. You know, he said, and, and it happens. But, you know, the, there's, there's that process that goes on. And I love how Jesus preps in the beginning. And as we know, Jesus also um, restores him afterwards at the end. So anyway, so we're moving to this point where we are in 14. And I love too, uh, the, I'm a child of God, the song you guys sang, we sang today. Um, it covers a lot of this uh, in terms of chapter 14, um, where he says in the beginning, do not let your hearts be troubled. You know, you believe in God, believe also in me. I've prepared a place for you. Like he is telling them, I'm going to be going away. And for them, this is freaking them out right? Because they don't understand this completely, especially, you know, some of the zealots within the disciples are thinking, you know, when are we going to take over the world? You know, when are we going to overcome the Romans? When are we going to, you know, be established in what we, we've come to do? And yet he's been challenging them this whole time through all this. So, um, so 
in that, let's just go to John 14. We're going to pick it up in verse 15. And again, as I said, we're, we're going to kind of go still along the, the idea of revival. And this is more of a revival in, you know, we talked about revival that it's obviously got to be God-breathed. It's got to be personal. You know, it's got to be us individually. And in that also is that walking out of our faith and also walking out of, of our, um, uh, the, the things that God has entrusted us with and, and spoken to us about. Um, because without that, I don't believe it's going to be personal revival because it's got to be real. It's got to be alive in each of our lives. You know, it's not just like a Holy Spirit, um, uh, like a, it, it's going to sound funny, but like a baseball game when you see people doing the wave. You know, if you're just sitting there and you're just not in the Word and you're not walking the way you should be walking, you're not going to, you're not going to experience that revival, you know. It's not going to be like, okay, it's coming. Oh, everybody, hey, you know, and you put your arms up and then I somehow got the revival, you know, like it's a fungus or something. Like, it's not, it doesn't work like that. There's got to be that relational aspect of it in your life, you know, to be a part of it, to be a cog in that wheel of revival. Does God need us for revival? Not necessarily. He could do anything, you know. He could probably, he could do even with a person who isn't revived, obviously, but for us as individuals, as we walk this out, we need to be continually in him to have that personal revival in our hearts, and that's a daily thing, you know. It's not just a one time. When we're not looking for a, a show, we're not looking for an event, you know, we can say, oh, do you remember when? You know, I don't think, I, I don't think that should be our hearts, but I don't think that is our hearts. Our hearts are today, Lord. You know, I want, I want a revival within me today. You know, I want to be able to, you know, spread your word today. I want to be able to, you know, reach the, the hurting. To, to, the list goes on, right? So anyway, so picking up in verse 15 of John 14, Jesus is saying to them, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So as he's giving them all these things, and I, one of my favorite parts, too, we've talked about before is Sermon on the Mount. You know, he's given so many... Uh, instructions and so many, again, challenging their beliefs and, and how things should be and, and the way that they should pray, the way they should look at things and, and so on and so forth. And, and so they, he's fed them all this information before. So in this discourse, he's giving them more information. He's saying, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. And in the, the grammar, it's actually, you'll be compelled, you know. And, and I've, it's funny, and I guess this is the Lord showing me I'm not God, because I keep telling my sons that, like, if you love me, you just do it. And it doesn't, work out the same way. But, um, but in this, the Jesus is saying, like, it's just going to happen. If you love me, you're going to, it's, it's not going to be burdensome. You know, that's the problem with the legalists. It's burdensome to, to be obedient to God. You know, they have to fulfill this list. They have to walk out, you know, these, these, well, okay, here's the Ten Commandments, and here's this, and here's that. Um, you know, we think about the rich young ruler. It's like, I have not broken any commandments. He's like, well, you know, there's, there's, there's always a challenge here. Somewhere, some way, you know, there's something there that, you know, we're just, we struggle with, you know. Some things might be easy for us, you know. For some people, it's easy to do this. It's easy to talk. It's easy to be up here and, and do music. For other people, they'd be terrified, right? They would clam up. They, they don't have that. They feel like they don't have that ability. Like, everybody has that, that something different, right? So even with the walking things out, you know, I might struggle in one area of my life 
where someone else might not, and, and vice versa. And that's the thing where it's like, you know, he's saying, if, you're com- if you love me, you'll be compelled to do that. So, yeah, there's, there's the easy list, right? I think someone says, yeah, I don't have an issue killing people externally anyway. Um, you know, I don't have any issue with stealing. I don't have any issue with lying. But, you know, I might have an issue here. Okay, well, that's why it's so important for me in that area to not only be prayerful about, but to continue to seek the Lord on that, you know, because he does bring that freedom. He does have that, that victory for us in that. But what he's saying to them is, is an, out, uh, an outshowing of love is that you're just going to be obedient. You're going to do these things. And I think that's one of the things, too, that's, you know, Jesus said that we'll, know, we'll be known by our fruit. You know, and that's when we see, and I'm sure we all have in our lives, there's people that I, I know that they claim to be believers. And then you see how they walk it out. And it's not a judgment, it's discernment. But you see how they walk things out and you, you question it, you wonder. But that's for me in that sense is that, you know, that's where we pray. You know, and that's where we continue to walk out what we walk out. You know, walk out our beliefs and, and it's not in any haughty way or, or anything like that. It's just to say, it's to show, like, the Lord's alive in my life, so it's going to pour out. It's going to be evident. And, and that's where, to me, this is what the Lord's saying, is like, it's just going to happen. It's just, and, and sad that the legalists will read this with that wagging finger. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, I've, I, I briefly attended a church that was like that, that was just, you know, that wagging finger every sermon, every Sunday, and it was tiring, and it's burdensome, and it's like, where is the love of God? Where is the grace of God? But he's saying that this is what, you know, this is what will be, uh, if you do that, if you love me, you'll walk it out. Um, and he said, I'll pray to the Father and give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And we know that this is the Holy Spirit. And the word another here is, is it doesn't mean a different one. It means the same. It's just a, a different version of another. So the Holy Spirit that is going to be coming, this paracletus that we know, that helper, the comforter that comes, he's right now at this time, as we know with the disciples, he's coming alongside them, right? Um, And so I'm going to cough real quick. Where's my sound guy? Did he just... Excuse me. Thank you. Um... And to briefly go over, we've talked about this before, but there's the three prepositions for the Holy Spirit, right? There's the, the power of the coming alongside the paracletus, the end, which is the coming upon the in, which is the inner that comes within um, the person. And this is what is described the different um, the workings of the Holy Spirit. So at this point, the, the paracletus is coming along the disciples, guiding them. But there's right now, there's no need for, the, for him to be within him because Jesus is still present with him. You remember when Jesus said to, um, he, he was challenged, him and his disciples were challenged about fasting. He's like, well, why would they need to fast when they're with the bridegroom? You know, um, I'm right here. Why would they need to fast? You know, um, which I thought uh, there's some humor in that, that he said that. But, um, you know, and this is, this is what Jesus is now getting into with them about, you know what, it's going to be okay. Don't, don't let your hearts be burdened by these things. Don't let your hearts be worried by these things. I'm sure there are faces. I'm sure there was confusion. I'm sure there was angst. I'm sure some of them had their shoulders up to their ears, like, what is going on? Um, and Jesus is continually reassuring them that, you know what, I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be okay. So he says, I'm going to send another helper that he may abide with you forever. And he's going to use the, the term abide several times throughout this teaching. Um, and it's very important. We looked at it a little bit uh, last time. Um, but 
To abide means to remain, to sojourn, to tarry, to continue to be present, to be held continually, to remain as one. Um, and so that idea is that, you know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. That I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to have this Holy Spirit, this comforter with you, and he's going to remain with you forever. And I think that is one, you know, I love the assurances that God has as he's not only speaking to his disciples and saying to them, giving them this comfort, like, I'm going to send somebody who's going to stay with you forever. Just in, you abide with him, and he's going to abide with you. But speaking to us as well, you know, there's times where, and I don't know, a lot of us come from different um, church backgrounds. Some might have come from a background of saying, you know, once saved, always saved. You have that assurance of salvation. Some might come from, a, you know, a background of, you know, if you you know, um, kill somebody in your heart, you'll lose your salvation. You know, like uh, the, all these, there's, there's so many backgrounds that we come from. But here, the word forever is very specific, meaning it's forever. And so my belief in my heart is that, you know, once you are truly saved, it is a forever thing, you know, and you will know it. You know, and there's, and again, not to judge and all that, but, you know, there's many who, uh, answer an altar call, and I'm not sure every single one of them is going to heaven because it didn't necessarily become real in their life. You know, there's times where you can you can walk something out, but it not being real in your life. And that's where Jesus says, you know, you'll know by their fruit. Again, it's not a judgment, and it's a it's a, just a thought that I have, and you know, pray about your own position on that. But. Um, I love here that Jesus is saying to him, listen, I'm going to send somebody that's going to be a helper to you, and it's going to be forever. He's going to abide with you forever. And he's a spirit of truth. Um, uh, and one thing here, too, that I like is that he said, I will not leave you orphans. So one of the cultural things that they had, well, especially when there was a uh, teacher-student relationship, teacher was seen as the father, student was seen as the pupils. So uh, as the children, I mean. Um, so if Jesus was to leave them, then they would be considered orphans. So anytime that the teacher left, there would be, you know, if the teacher had passed away or whatever, their disciples would be seen as orphans. So not only is Jesus saying this in a, you know, a lot of times when we hear teaching about this, it's a lot about us, especially people who maybe they're, uh, were orphans or their family, you know, their parents are gone or you know, whatever scenario it is there that we take comfort in that. But I love how here the, the cultural, the specific, the Lord is speaking to each one of them. You know, it's not this huge concept. He is prepping them the whole way. He's saying, you know, even the logistics. There's some people in the group who are logistics people, right? There's, there's the detailed logistics people. Well, how's this going to work? What time are we going to get there? What are we all wearing? What's the, you know, all, what, who's putting out the food? When do we put out the food? Will it be hot? You know, all these things. And there's people who just show up. You know, usually five minutes late, they have a smile on their face, and they're just like, yeah, let's go, let's party. You know, we all have these personalities that thankfully work together. Um, I think the, the people with the first personality I mentioned struggle with the people with the other personality I mentioned, but somehow it all works in the Lord, right? Anyway, I read about that anyway. Um, so, um, but that idea of, you know, that, that he is prepping them to, to even the details that we're not, we might not even see. Because of his love for them, for his care for them. You know, he's saying, you will not be left orphans. Now, at this point, I'd be like, what does this all mean? Like, you know, you're going to leave us, but we're not going to be orphans. And, and we're going to have this helper who's going to be with us forever. Like, I, I just, 
I, I don't know at this point, because I, I know for me, I'd be intently listening, like, Lord, what is going on? Like, trying to get, I'm, I'm more of a detail guy, so I would probably have, like, a pen and scroll out and be, like, trying to write stuff down, trying to, like, okay, how do you say this is going to work? What's going to happen? What, what stuff do I need to know? What do I need to be equipped to do? You know, um, but I just can't imagine how they are processing all of this. Um, and it's interesting. So, uh, and he goes into a little bit more. I don't think we're going to get to it this morning in, in John 16, where he talks about more of the, the role of the Holy Spirit. But um, Spurgeon says this. He says, between Christ on earth and his, and his disciples, what a distance there was. In his condescension, he came very near to them, but yet you always perceive a gulf between the wise master and the foolish disciples. Now the Holy Ghost annihilates that distance by dwelling in us. And I really, I really liked that picture that he put there. You know, even with Jesus being there, there was still a, a, a distance, a disconnect, you know. Um, and as we know, we talked about before, once Jesus resurrected, came alive, you know, things started to make sense. And then when the Holy Spirit was breathed into them, you know, it made much more sense. So we're going we're gonna to move on here. Verse 19, he said, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And he who has commandments, uh, and he who has my commandments, and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So he continues on with this, the insurance that he's, uh, assurance that he's given these guys. Um, and uh, let's see. So let's move on. So uh, verse 22, he says, Judas not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how it is that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. We know in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, he says, Eye has not seen, ears not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You know, this is where... Again, the Lord continues to reiterate the love. It's about the love. It's about the love. Um, and so the, the understanding is, is that we, we will not be able to see the love of God without being in his word. We will not be able to see the love of God without abiding in him. And that is obviously one of the things we know that um, Paul tells us that the, uh, it's foolishness to those who don't believe you know, these things that we talk about. And some of the things that we go through as we go through the Word, some of it is, is hard to understand. Some of it is, is hard to process. Um, and, and, you know, but we still, because of our faith, that's what holds it all together. If the world does not understand that, does not believe that, then none of this would make sense to them. And they can't see God. You know, and that's one of the, the, the sad parts is, you know, um, I went to a liberal Christian college. Um, I've mentioned that before, and that's where the Lord became alive to me. Um, so he uses anything. Um, but um, I still have some friends who are very liberal, very liberal. And they, they claim to know God and they claim to even love God. Um, but some of the things that they support and some of the things that they um, are 
um, you know, championing, for, especially in like the social world, is just so questionable. And it's not, I don't ever get into discussions with them unless they engage me. I don't challenge them because it's not my role to challenge, even though I am a challenger person. I am a, I don't mind confrontation. But, um, but some of these things, like how do you justify abortion, you know? Um, socially, they have clumped it together with women's rights to get, you know, better a foothold in, in that arena. Um, but it's not about women's rights. And that's, you know, and I just don't understand how as someone who loves the Lord can say, you know, the abortion's okay. Um, and this is not a, to be a social platform for me right now to be talking about this stuff, but even, you know, the picture of, of marriage between a man and a woman, how the, God, how the Lord talks about the bridegroom and the bride is so beautiful. You know, that we're the bride, that he's coming back for us, that he's, he's going to be scooping us up and taking us with him, you know? And then be able to, to just distort that and, and to change the picture of what God said marriage is, is heartbreaking. Because you, they don't see God. This is not God, you know? Are we to love people who struggle with those things? Absolutely. I'm not, you know, it's not our role to condemn or to judge or, you know, we are to show the love of God. We also to stand in our beliefs and what God has um, instructed us. But um, it's heartbreaking. It's not about me versus you. It's not about I'm right, you're right, or I'm wrong, you're wrong. It's not about any of that. It's about that's not what God ordained. And it takes away the beauty of God when you look at those things. And it's, it's heartbreaking to me. I don't, I don't get it, but I pray for those, those friends. And, um, but anyway, that's why so often, and I have some friends who say, and I say, oh, well, this is what the Lord showed me. Or the Lord spoke to me in this. And I say, I don't understand why God doesn't speak to me. And, you know, it's a great opportunity. It's, well, are you, in, are you in the Word? Are you, are you in prayer? Are you in fellowship? Are you, are you seeking God? Are you, you know, whose agenda are you promoting? Are you, you know, to be able to challenge them in that way? Because a lot of times people don't even know. You know, a lot of people grow up in a certain way, and they're used to a certain process. And they don't even think, you know, when sometimes there's light bulbs that go off, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I never even knew that. I never even thought in that, that way, in that, you know, that vein. Um, I have a lot of Catholic friends who, um, you know, I, I talk to them like they're believers because they know enough about God. So, oh, you know, it was really cool. The Lord did this, and, you know, the Holy Spirit was moving this way. And they're like, what, do you, what, what does that mean? Oh, well, you know, you know this part of your faith. And they'll take something out. And, well, this is what the Bible says about it. And this is how, you know, and it, it takes, and it, it, it gives them that connection of what they know. But then it opens their eyes to, okay, but this is what the Bible says. This is what God says about, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, but that's why it's so important for us to be in the Word and to be abiding in Him and to be, you know, walking these things out. Because not only is it for us, not only to, again, for us to have that personal revival, that daily revival, but it's supposed to infect the world. You know, a lot of times our testimony, it can be quieted because we're not walking out what we say we believe or our actions don't match up with our, our belief system. And so, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, um, it's not funny, but it's funny. Uh, you know, we always talked about the uh, drunk evangelism. You know, um, we'd have guys who come to meetings and be like, you know, I was at this bar and I was drinking and I started telling everybody about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Um, 
But, you know, but a lot of times that conviction came out because they were, you know, in that, uh, well, they were drunk, so. But, um, but you know, there's, there's a contradiction there, you know, and, there's, and there, there ought not to be. And so in our own lives, you know, there's a lot of things that we, we, you know, we struggle with. It's like, okay, how do we overcome this? Well, Jesus has given us these instructions on how to overcome. And um, so, you know, and he's saying, you know, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and we will make our home with him. And this harkens back to where he said in the beginning of the chapter, you know, I'm, I'm preparing a place for you guys. You know, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't have that anxiety and that fear. Um, David Guzik said, this union between the Father, Son, and, and the disciples and us, the Holy Spirit too, this union is marked by the knowledge of God's will. And as he says, has my commandments. This union is marked by obedience to God's will and keeps them. This union is marked by love. And he says, is he who loves me? This union is marked by relationship and reception of love with God the Father. And you will be loved by the Father. This union is marked by a revelation of Jesus himself and manifest myself to him. And this flows from the union with God. This is being recorded. So I just said some amazing stuff in that time when this, the, the recording stopped. So, and I don't think it'll ever be spoken ever again. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> so. Um, but this is how we can have that assurance. He's saying, you're going to have that, you will know, you'll have this assurance if, if you're walking in me and God, the Father and I are going to come with you and dwell with you and be with you. And so let's move on to verse 25. So these things I've spoken to you uh, while present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you your, uh, to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So one thing to, to pay attention to real quick too is just side note. He calls the Holy Spirit he. And I think in a lot of churches, the Holy Spirit is an it or this like weird kind of thing that you don't really talk about. Um, we obviously, we, we at Calvary Chapel, we are not, we call him a he, we enjoy him, we love him, we want him to be here. Without him, we are just hot air. And so, um, but it's, it's interesting when you talk about the Holy Spirit, and because of the abuse of the use of the Holy Spirit, you get some people who are kind of cower away from it. Like, when you say the Holy Spirit, they get like, oh no, they're gonna, you know, slay me in the Spirit, and you know, speak in tongues and kick me in the leg or something like, you know, they don't know what's going to happen when you, when you talk about the Holy Spirit. But we know that the Holy Spirit is a, is a person. We know the Holy Spirit as, as believers that dwells within us. And thankfully, right? I mean, thank God we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us that convicts us, that, that um, encourages us, that strengthens us. But he says, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Um, and this is why it is so important to soak in all of these things that we learn. All this, to be in the Word ourselves, to be soaking in what God has for us. When we're here on Sundays and Wednesday nights, when we're in the car listening to a teaching, all these things 
have purpose in that process, in our process. Um, we know in Isaiah 55, 11 says, My word goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. Um, Matthew 10, 18 through 21, he says, uh, You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour that you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. And we know, too, in Ephesians 6, where we're putting on the armor, right? That's you're, you're, you're shotting your feet with the gospel, and you have the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is why it is so important to be soaking all these things in, because we never know when we're going to be in a situation where God's ready to, wants to draw it out. Um, and it's so important to be equipped for these things. But that's the awesome part is that it's the Holy Spirit's the one who's going to teach. The Holy Spirit's the one that's going to bring these things out of us. So there might be times where you're listening to something, I don't have no idea why I'm listening to this, or, you know, I'm, it's kind of in the background, you know, and I'm, I'm listening, but I'm not listening. But the, the Lord says it's not going to return void. There's a purpose for all of this being ingested. And I'm not, I'm not fully convinced that you have to be like, okay, I have to be intentionally ingesting it. I think some of it just is, is a metamorphosis, just gets soaked in some of it too. And there's times where it's just like, you know, you, you run into somebody and, and the Lord just pulls stuff out of you like, whoa, where did that come from? Um, you know, and there's times too, we've, you know, um, having an evangelism program and, and is, is important. I remember being a part of one many, many years ago um, I wasn't fond of it. I was young, and I just didn't like it because I felt like it was too, I'm, I'm kind of an off-the-cuff kind of guy, and it was very much like, you have to say this, and you have to say that, and, you know, very regimented. And, and then we had to wear suits, and I'm like, we look like Jehovah's Witnesses, and, you know, I just didn't like it. Um, but I enjoyed the equipping part of it because it equipped me in a way that for the rest of my life, I feel like I'm equipped, and no matter what situation I'm in, um, to be able to speak to somebody. And I, I know you guys can tell I have a hard time speaking. So it's very, I'm shy and it's hard for me to talk to people about stuff. But I feel like this program actually helped me to be able to see a situation, assess a situation, to be able to relate to somebody and then to know what to say. You know, if the Lord doesn't, you know, move me in a different direction, how to say things. But this is why it's so important to be able to be soaking this stuff in. Because this is the role that the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to be doing these things. So I know there's some, again, who are a little bit timid or afraid to talk to people. Just, we don't have to be afraid. <coughs> Excuse me. We don't have to be afraid because it's the Holy Spirit in us that's doing the work. Not only the work that's drawing us out, but he's the work that's going to water the seed. We're not, we're not responsible to get people saved. We're responsible to give the gospel. But it's not up to me to get somebody saved. And I've talked about it before. But my heart is that, you know what, I, I, the Lord loves people more than he loves me. Thank you. Um, he loves my sons more than I love them. Did I say the Lord loves other people more than he loves me? That's sad. That's wrong. <clears throat> that is, I'm not that sinful. <clears throat> I was trying to time the water in the mute, and I was, I don't know what I was saying. I'm sorry strike that. I hope that's not true. I hope the Holy Spirit didn't just draw that out of me. And now it's like, what? My world just fell apart. <clears throat> Rewind. So the Lord loves me just as much as he loves everybody else. Um, I know that the Lord loves 
people more than I love people and the ones that I desire to know him. I know that the Lord loves my sons more than I love my sons. My sons have no clue how much I love them. And um, I think, and I, and I, we, I tell them all the time that I love them, um, you know, and I, I do it in a lot of ways more so in, by trying to teach them things. And some of them are receptive and some of them know more than me, so they don't like to listen. And, um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so I'm not going to point any of them out. But, um, yeah, but it'll be cool when they get to the point, I think a lot of us been there where, you know, our kids will get to that point when they have kids and be like, now I get it. Now I get how much my dad loved me, how much my mom loved me. Um, so, um, yeah, that's cool. So anyway, um, but I don't worry about my sons. I don't worry about my loved ones. I don't worry about the, the ones who are seemingly like, man, they are going to be tough for the Lord. And the Lord's like, what are you talking about? This is nothing's tough for me. But I, I pray for them, and i just like, Lord, you, you love them more than I do, and I'm not going to worry about it. And so that's that peace. And I, I love in verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your heart... <clears throat> excuse me, not let my heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Um, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going away. Uh, I'm going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. So it was very common for them as they would come and go to say, Shalom, to be, peace be with you. And, and but what he's saying to them and this, he's saying, you know, this is not, I'm not giving you the peace of the world. I'm not giving you, I'm not gonna, I'm not telling you a vain phrase that we, well, you know, that we all always say to each other. You know, it's not just, hey, peace or peace out or anything like that. It's, I'm giving you a peace that is not the world can give. Um, and so this peace is a supernatural peace given by God. Um, we know in the through the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All these things that are supernatural, these things that God gives us that are not, not, that we can't muster up in our own. I can't love people in my own strength. It doesn't go well. Um, I do not have peace if it's outside of the Lord. Um, I don't understand how people can operate, um, and many struggle to do so, but uh, without the Lord going through the trials and tragedies of life. Um, And I think, but that's why the Lord allows us to go through them so then we can comfort people with what we've been comforted, you know. There have been so many times of blessing to be able to go up to somebody who has gone through some of the stuff that I'm going through who don't know the Lord, where I can say, man, I went through it, and this is how the Lord got me through it. You know, it's in those raw moments, it's in those painful moments where people are apt to listen. But they're more apt to listen when they have, when they see the genuine love of God coming toward them to talk to them, you know. If you are one who, uh, I know nobody's in, in our church is harsh or legalistic. But, you know, for those people who do come to try to, you know, who walk out that harshness and then try to talk about the love of God, it's, it's almost contrary. It almost shuts the door to, for other people to listen to. Um, and I know I keep talking about it, but it, it's so important that we walk out what we say we believe because it, it damages so many people. God can still work and God can still move, but it damages so many people to see the hypocrisy um, blatant hypocrisy. We're all hypocrites. We know that. But, you know, the blatant hypocrisy of, of, of people saying they believe something and they don't walk it out. 
So this peace that, that Jesus is talking about, the Greek defines it as, as security, safety, prosperity, a tranquil state, felicity, or intense happiness. Um, but it's an, it's an, it's, it's an all-encompassing peace. You know, we've talked about where Paul says it's that peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, it's a blessing that God gives us to us. And, you know, that's the testimony of it when we are going through those things where people say, well, how could you be so calm or how could you be at so peace? Well, you know, it's funny. when If we just walk out our faith, people will ask us questions that opens the door for us to talk about God. There's no effort involved. And, um, and I think that, you know, if you're someone who struggles in that area, test it out. You know, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's so amazing. And um, I've not, I, I can't think of an, oppor- an, an instance where someone told me to shut my mouth when I was talking about the Lord. Um, and <clears throat> I don't think about it as pushing boundaries, as, but as a person in management, I don't, I, I could see some of the things I say in work as probably pushing some limits. Um, but no one challenges me, and I don't do it in any kind of way that's, that's you know, irreverent or wrong or, or, or trying to do anything other than being real and saying, this is, you're asking me how was my day. Well, you know, this crappy situation happened, but this is what the Lord did through that and really just changed my attitude, changed my heart, changed my life. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, as the Holy Spirit is working in you and God is, is, is moving in you, that these things just flow out. You can't even stop it. I can't even, I don't even know how I would be able to stop it. <clears throat> And you know what? It's to the benefit of the world. It's to the benefit of the world that God's alive in our hearts and our lives. Um, and I, I, I praise God for that. Um, so, um, so he says, let not your heart be troubled, which means restless or disturbed, neither let it be afraid. Um, none of these things can be existent in the presence of God. If you think about that, you know, as you are drawing closer to the Lord. You know, I, I find that I used to be a very fearful and anxious person. Um, and through the transformation that the Lord has done in my life, um, I, I don't, I can't look back to see any, the last several years, I don't, I don't see any circumstances where I was fearful or anxious. Where that used to be a, a daily part of my life. And those things have dissipated. And the only thing I can attribute that to is how the Lord has become so alive in my life that there's, there's not even opportunity for that because those things are not, they don't grab a hold of me like they used to because before I was the one that had to be in control. Now I know I have no control. It's all God, you know. Um, and, the, and I would challenge you to, say, to, to, to think about this. With fear that troubling, that afraid. If it persists in your life, then that would be indicative of a lack of presence of God in your life. And that might be like, well, duh. You know, it's the contrary to what we just said. But I think it's important to think about those things. That's how my brain works. I need to think about, well, what's the logic behind this? So if you are struggling with fear, if your heart is troubled, then to me that's, that's saying that there's an area of your heart or your, or your mind or something in your walk where God is not, he doesn't have that piece of you. You know? Um, not saying that 
if you are troubled or you have some fear initially that that's wrong because we all have these things. You know, anger is a emotion that, you know, initially is not wrong. It's what you do with that anger that could be wrong. But that challenge of, okay, there's an area of my life where I am struggling and that, that means that there's an absence of God. I'm not saying full absence like, you know, he's away from us, but there's an area and opportunity where the Lord could become stronger and greater in your life. It might be something, too, to actually take and picture and say, okay, Lord, I'm just an example, finances. I know nobody struggles with finances, so I'll use that one. So finances, to be able to, if, if we're struggling, say, Lord, how am I? What am I? What, you know, Jesus brought it down to, even when he was talking to disciples, saying, you know, be in that prayer of, give us this day our daily bread. So often we're used to thinking, I need to have food in the refrigerator for a week. For me, when I have my sons, it's like, okay, the weekend. Am I going to have enough food for the weekend? Thankfully, there's, you know, fast food places all around, so they won't go hungry. But, um, but the idea of, you know, the, um, even to that point of, and, you know, who was I talking to? I was talking to the other day. Someone said, you know, I'm, sometimes I get tired of, of God being the right before midnight answerer. You know, like, <laughs> why does it always have to be the moment before? And it's like, you know, I don't have an answer for that. I have some, some answers, but I don't have the answer for that. But that's what it comes down to, to be able to say, Lord, right now I have this need. You know, Lord, right now I have this. So to be able to say, okay, talking about finances, we have bills, we have to pay for every, you know, everything in life. But the challenge was last week, if you remember, and, and Pastor Greg has challenged us on our tithes. And we know Calvary Chapel, we don't, we don't talk about, unless it's coming up in that portion of scripture that we're going over, we don't really talk about money, you know. Um, but, and we don't take offering, as you guys see, and as you know. You know, we have an agape box. If you feel led to put an agape box, you can also text your tithe, or you can go online at CC. Um, anyway, so we, we have opportunities to be able to tithe, and that's what, that's a part of our worship. But as you remember, Pastor Greg last week was challenging us that that's an area where God says to test him. You know, and, and I was challenged, you know, I, I do tithe, but I was challenged in my heart with my tithing with that. You know, um, and it's, it's, it's an act of worship to be able to say, okay, Lord, you're not going to, if I give you X, you're not going to say, well, <laughs> you shouldn't have given me X. Now you're missing out on your bill. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's not the God that we serve. Unfortunately, a lot of people in religion, they feel like that's the God they serve, but that's not the God we serve. You know, so with this is if there's if there's something that's troubling you, if there's something that is has you in the grips of anxiety or fear. You know, I would look at it and say, okay, Lord, and then we know we bring it to the Lord in prayer. But I would really challenge you to put it on His altar and say, Lord, help me to let go of it and give it to you. Help me to fill that area of my heart of my mind with you, as opposed to this fear and this anxiety. So. Um, and you know it's funny too and you guys probably heard this before I, and I don't know it exactly because I didn't count it myself but apparently there's 365 references to fear in the Bible to not fearing, not being afraid <clears throat> so obviously that's one a day on our, in our calendar anyway um, so this is something that the Lord knew that we would be struggling with this is something that the Lord knew that we would be doing but this is also something the Lord wanted to reassure us about you know my favorite uh, verse has been, and I've said it before, is Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you by my righteous right hand. For that to become alive to me, I had to break down every segment of that verse and to make it be alive to me. Fear not, for I am with you. Well, if him being with me doesn't end the fear, then I got to figure out what's wrong with my relationship with him. Because then the rest of it wouldn't, wouldn't have any effect in my heart and my life. So, just an encouragement and a challenge for you guys in that. Um, so, uh, you know, at this point, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up here. But, you know, he, it must have been confusing to the disciples <clears throat> for Jesus saying to them, you know what, I'm going to be going away, but I'm coming back. And um, he's going to the Father. But Jesus said, he already told them that the Helper would be teaching them everything and all things. Again, not knowing if that was going to bring them comfort or, or, or help or whatever. But, um, and, and Jesus is challenging their perspective and, and, and their thoughts as to what, how they should think and how they should look at things. You know, the, it would be contrary to think it's going to be beneficial for our master, Jesus, the one that we have put our trust in, our hope in, to be going away. Um, we know, too, as, as the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus, so they, were, they were saying we thought he was our hope. He thought he was the one that we were looking for um, because they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't get it. But um, it wasn't until God came and, 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 and Jesus came, and I think it's in John 20 where Jesus then, after the resurrection, he pierced them and they breathed the Holy Spirit into them. And then life began. Spiritual life began. Um, and so let's finish up here in verse 29. He says, And now I have told you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave, my commandment, uh, gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let's go from here. So he goes on for a little bit more. He goes into chapter 15, 16, and 17, actually talks a little bit more, and then chapter 18 is where he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, but I want to I read this story to you, and I thought it was, you know, it was kind of a mixture, and I was trying to think of, I was going to go into chapter 15 a little bit more and, and a little bit of 16, but um, just, it's, just, it's just too much to unpack. <clears throat> but as I was putting this together and just thinking about, you know, especially that specific spot with the orphans and trying to connect that with Father's Day, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to force it. <laughs> like, it just wasn't in my mind working with revival, even though it all works together. But, um, but the Lord brought to mind George Mueller, and um, any of you guys know his testimony. And he's just such a, was such a great man of faith um, to an extent that, you know, I, I would, I, I wish I could have the level of faith. And obviously we all could. Um, but this was a story uh, that was uh, some, an account that happened. Um, and as you guys know, he had a uh, home for orphans and, and, you know, it was solely run on the faith. <laughs> Um, and the provision that God had because of that faith. But it says, uh, Night was falling over the harbor of Bristol, England, and in the orphanage founded by George Mueller and his wife, the children were getting ready for bed. Uh, George was working in his study when his wife arrived with alarming news. We're out of milk, she said. There isn't enough for the morning oatmeal. George laid aside his pen. This wasn't the first time that money needed to buy... Uh, this wasn't the first time that money needed to buy food and other supplies was tight. Uh, the Mueller's took in their first group of 30 girls in 1936, and their orphanage now housed over 100. 
From the first, uh, George remained resolved never to ask for funds from people or to borrow money. He went to God alone for every need, trusting wholly in the Lord's faithfulness and provision. So the pastor rose from his desk and reached for his wife's hand. Mary, he said, let's pray. Uh, two orphanage employees joined them, and together they made their humble yet necessary request to God. Tiny helpless mouths were depending on them for sustenance. Be assured if you walk with him and look to him and expect him for, for, uh, and expect help from him, George reminded them afterwards, he will never fail you. Let me read that again. Be assured if you walk with him and look to him and expect help from him, he will never fail you. Someone knocked on the door and Mary hurried to answer. Returning to the study, a moment later, she handed her husband an envelope. It's a letter, George. Hurry up and open it. I would imagine with how they were living in their faith, like anything that came like that, they'd be like, okay, what's, what's God doing now? Like, I think it would be an exciting time. Can you imagine living in that way and not being fearfully living that way? I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know if I'd be like, Lord, let me live as George Mueller lived. I'm not there yet in my faith, but I think it's cool to read about it. <laughs> um, anyway, that's just me. So enclosed was a sum of money, more than enough for the milk. Within minutes, two more letters arrived with money and pledges of support. This immediate and abundant response to prayer had become a typical experience for Mueller. Um, after he came to faith and started uh, meditating seriously on the Bible, he determined to simply trust God at his word. Uh, as a pastor, he decided to live without a salary, relying only on money given to him. George learned to pray faithfully from his heart, asking his father to move the hearts of men so that they would supply him and his family with what they needed to survive. To have that kind of faith, to test God at his word, you have to know God, you know, and that's, and it said here that he was going to just trust God and test God by the word of God. Um, and as we are being fed what the disciples were being spoken to at this time period, and obviously not making sense at that time, even Jesus saying this might not make sense, but soon the Holy Spirit will come. This, this, the paracletus will come, this comforter will come, not only to calm your fears, your burdens, your anxieties, but also to draw out from you the things I've taught you, because I've taught you a lot of things. To bring them to remembrance when you need to know them. To understand them in a way that you will need to understand them. And to have that faith to work within you. That, you know, those times as the Holy Spirit, as we pray, as we um, rely on God, you know, to be able to be at that point when, when we see a, a need to be able to immediately get to our knees. Not because of fear, not because, well, there's nothing else I can do, but to be, because we get to, number one, boldly come before his throne, but because we know that he's going to supply our needs. The closer we are with the Lord, the more we abide with the Lord, the more that's a reality in our life. The more that's a knee-jerk reaction in our life versus, and some of you may be like this, and I have at times been like this too, where, I think of all the things I can do and need to do and should do and should try to do before I take it to the Lord. You know, it's a tiring exercise to train ourselves to be able to say, you know what, Lord, I bring it before you. I'm trusting you with it. To trust his answer because it doesn't always come the way we think it's going to come. To trust his timing because it rarely comes in the timing that we think it should come. But to rest in the fact that he has it in his hands and it's perfect. You know, and that's the, the blessing is that none of us are orphans here. 
You know, as long as we abide in Him, He is going to abide in us. And we will have the things of God that we need for our journey. And this is the foundation of what we will have and need to not only have that personal revival, but to iron sharpen iron with those around us, to be able to be that flint, that spark to one another. Lord, to be able to, you know, I think our church is great. I mean, I, 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 I think that, um, you know, it's, it's a, I think we need to continue on, you know. I, and I'm not, I, I, Pastor Greg, I think, is right in a sense of that revival that he's, he's desiring. But I think what we're working with is not dead bones. And I think that's awesome. The love that we have and, and, and you know, the, the small giants. I hate referring to you guys as a like, group like that, but it's easier than going through all your names. No offense. But, um, but it makes me feel like you're not people. But um, anyway, this, so the small giants got a taste of that too, the fellowship. And, and you guys are going to, it's going to be awesome to, I'm sure there's going to be some homes that are not as great as our church and homes, but... Um, we pray that you would, you would have that. But, you know, how awesome it is that, you know, that we have this fellowship and this love. And for anyone who's visiting too, we do this out after this. So, you know, we've got food and fellowship and it's just such a, a blessed time as a family. We can be together and, and, um, and to fellowship. So why don't we, we'll have the guys come up to one last, or I think they're doing two more songs. Um, why don't we stand and I'll, I'll, I'll pray. Lord, we come and we thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to read your word. We are grateful that we are still in a country where we can um, openly and freely, Lord, speak of you. Lord, that we can open your, your words and to be able to read them, to grow from them, Lord, um, and to preach them. Lord, we are so thankful that it's, your word is alive, Lord. Um, and Lord, we are just so... Uh, grateful that, Lord, that you chose us. As you said to your disciples, Lord, that you didn't, they didn't choose you, you chose them. We're so grateful, Lord, that you chose us, Lord, that you chose us to be your children, to be your sons and daughters. Lord, that you chose us even for this moment in time right now for each person here to be in this building, Lord, to be fellowshipping together, Lord, that you've tuned our hearts, you've tuned our voices, Lord, to be able to raise the worship to you, Lord, that is honoring and glorifying to you, Lord, in one accord. So, Lord, I pray that you would continue to, to dwell within us, Lord. I pray if there's anything in our lives that are keeping us from abiding in you, Lord. If there's anything that is an obstacle to drawing closer to you, Lord, I pray that you would remove those things. If these are things that we are holding on to, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and desire to let go of those things, Lord. That there would be nothing in between us, Lord. You already tore the veil. We don't need to put up our own veils, Lord, to put that distance between us and you. Lord, you've told us to come to you freely, and I pray, Lord, that if there's any stumbling blocks in our lives, Lord, that you would remove them, Lord. Lord, that we would be able to have a greater and fuller fellowship with you. Thank you that you choose us to be your temples, Lord. It doesn't make sense, Lord, that you would choose the, the broken and the frailty um, of our hearts to dwell. Lord, but we are so grateful that you do. And we are so grateful, Lord, that it has nothing to do with any of us and our abilities. 
It all has to do with your love and desire for us. Thank you, Lord, so much. We praise you. And um, bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.